Section 34 of Three Fairy Halls of My Book House. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Three Fairy Halls of My Book House, edited by Olive Bupre Miller. Why the Sea is Salt, by Gudrun Thorne Thompson. Once on a time, but it was a long, long time ago, there were two brothers, one rich and one poor. Now, one Christmas Eve, the poor one had not so much as a crumb in the house, either of meat or bread, so he went to his brother to ask him for something with which to keep Christmas. It was not the first time his brother had been forced to help him, and as he was always stingy, he was not very glad to see him this time, but he said, I'll give you a whole piece of bacon, two loaves of bread, and candles into the bargain, if you'll never bother me again. But mind, you don't set foot in my house from this day on. The poor brother said he wouldn't, thanked his brother for the help he had given him, and started on his way home. He hadn't gone far before he met an old, old man with a white beard, who looked so thin and worn and hungry, that it was pitiful to see him. "'In heaven's name, give a poor man a morsel to eat,' said the old man. "'Now, indeed, I have been begging myself,' said the poor brother. "'But I'm not so poor that I can't give you something on the blessed Christmas Eve.' And with that he handed the old man a candle and a loaf of bread, and he was just going to cut off a slice of bacon when the old man stopped him. "'That is enough and to spare,' said he. "'And now I'll tell you something.' Not far from here is the entrance to the home of the underground folks. When you get inside, they will all want to buy your bacon, but don't sell it unless you get in return the mill which stands behind the door. When you come out, I'll teach you how to handle the mill. So the man with the bacon thanked the other for his good advice, and followed the directions which the old man had given him, and soon he stood outside the door of the hill folks' home. When he got in, everything went just as the old man had said. All the hill folk, great and small, came swarming up to him like ants around an ant hill and each tried to outbid the other for the bacon. Well, said the man, by rights my old dame and I ought to have this bacon for our Christmas dinner. But, since you have all set your hearts on it, I suppose I must give it up to you. Now, if I sell it all, I'll have for it that mill behind the door yonder. At first the hill folk wouldn't hear of such a bargain, and higgled and haggled with the man. But he stuck to what he said, and at last they gave up the mill for the bacon. When the man got out of the cave and into the woods again, he met the same old beggar, and asked him how to handle the mill. After he had learned how to use it, he thanked the old man and went off home as fast as he could. Still the clock had struck twelve on Christmas Eve before he reached his own door. "'Wherever in the world have you been?' said his old dame. "'Here have I sat hour after hour, waiting and watching, without so much as two sticks to lay under the Christmas porridge.' "'Oh,' said the man, "'I could not get back before, for I had to go a long way first, for one thing and then for another. But now you shall see what you shall see.' So he put the mill on the table, and bade it first of all grind lights, then a tablecloth, then meat, then ale, and so on, till they had everything that was nice for Christmas fare. He had only to speak the word, and the mill ground out whatever he wanted. The old dame stood by, blessing her stars, and kept on asking where he had got this wonderful mill, but he wouldn't tell her. It's all the same where I got it. You see, the mill is a good one, and the mill stream never freezes. That's enough. So he ground meat and drink and all good things to last out the whole of Christmas holidays, and on the third day he asked all his friends and kin to his house, and gave them a great feast. Now when his brother saw all that was on the table and all that was in the cupboards, he grew quite wild with anger, for he could not bear that his brother should have anything. "'Twas only on Christmas Eve,' he said to the rest. He was so poorly off that he came and begged for a morsel of food, and now he gives a feast as if he were a count or a king, and he turned to his brother and said, but where in the world did you get all this wealth? From behind the door, answered the owner of the mill, for he did not care to tell his brother much about it. But later in the evening, when he had gotten a little too merry, 
He could keep his secret no longer, and he brought out the mill and said, There you see what has gotten me all this wealth, and so he made the mill grind all kinds of things. When his brother saw it, he set his heart on having the mill, and after some talk it was agreed that the rich brother was to get it at hay harvest time, when he was to pay three hundred dollars for it. Now you may fancy the mill did not grow rusty for want of work, for while he had it the poor brother made it grind meat and drink that would last for years. When hay harvest came the rich brother got it, but he was in such a hurry to make it grind that he forgot to learn how to handle it. It was evening when the rich brother got the mill home, and next morning he told his wife to go out into the hayfield and toss hay, while the mowers cut the grass, and he would stay home and get the dinner ready. So when dinner time drew near, he put the mill on the kitchen table and said, Grind herrings and broth, and grind them good and fast. And the mill began to grind herrings and broth, first of all the dishes full, then all the tubs full, and so on, till the kitchen floor was quite covered. The man twisted and twirled at the mill to get it to stop, but for all his fiddling and fumbling the mill went on grinding, and in a little while the broth rose so high that the man was nearly drowning. So he threw open the kitchen door and ran into the parlor, but it was not long before the mill had ground the parlor full, too, and it was only at the risk of his life that the man could get hold of the latch of the house door through the stream of broth. When he got the door open he ran out and set off down the road, with the stream of herrings and broth at his heels, roaring like a waterfall over the whole farm. Now his old dame, who was in the field tossing hay, thought it a long time to dinner, and at last she said, Well, though the master doesn't call us home, we may as well go. Maybe he finds it hard work to boil the broth, and will be glad of my help. The men were willing enough, so they sauntered homewards, but just as they had got a little way up the hill, what should they meet but herrings and broth all running and dashing and splashing together in a stream, and the master himself running before them for his life, and as he passed them he called out, Eat, drink, eat, drink, but take care you're not drowned in the broth. Away he ran as fast as his legs would carry him to his brother's house, and begged him in heaven's name to take back the mill at once, for, said he, if it grinds only one hour more, the whole parish will be swallowed up by herrings and broth. So the poor brother took back the mill, and it wasn't long before it stopped grinding herrings and broth. And now he set up a farmhouse far finer than the one in which his brother lived, and with the mill he ground so much gold that he covered it with plates of gold. And as the farm lay by the seaside, the golden house gleamed and glistened far away over the sea. All who sailed by put ashore to see the rich man in the golden house, and to see the wonderful mill the fame of which spread far and wide, till there was nobody who hadn't heard of it. So one day there came a skipper who wanted to see the mill, and the first thing he asked was if it could grind salt. Grind salt, said the owner. I should just think it could. It can grind anything. When the skipper heard that, he said he must have the mill for if he only had it, he thought, he need not take his long voyages across stormy seas for a lading of salt. He much preferred sitting at home with a pipe and a glass. Well, the man let him have it, but the skipper was in such a hurry to get away with it that he had no time to ask how to handle the mill. He got on board his ship as fast as he could and set sail. When he had sailed a good way off, he brought the mill on deck and said, Grind salt, and grind both good and fast. And the mill began to grind salt so that it poured out like water and when the skipper had got the ship full, he wished to stop the mill, but whichever way he turned it, and however much he tried, it did no good. The mill kept on grinding, the heap of salt grew higher and higher, and at last down sank the ship. There lies the mill at the bottom of the sea, and grinds away to this very day, and that is the reason why the sea is salt, so some folks say. End of section 34